0: is up everybody welcome to a new episode of rugby swag we got a great show for you we're going to be talking cape town seven results man we are going to be hearing does the mexico have an mlr team on the way yo looking into it eddie jones new head coach for japan are we going to be getting a repeat of last time or are we just going to be seeing the same old same old also, Project Popolu. What is that all about? Y'all, it's changing the game for referees. Women's Rugby World Cup in 2025, announcing venues, letting people know. Of course, Rugby League truck mowing. We got that and more, y'all. This is a brand new episode of Rugby Swag. You don't want to miss it. But in the meantime, yo, let's get to this intro. I think the minute I stepped on our practice field for rugby, the calling happened an eight-year plan to be on the team and i was in it within two years don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro Right. And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes and they're like, what is this child on? I mean, it looks like it was a heavy. Yeah. It's up, it's not up. You know, that's the first time i played like professional. I'm making rugby money, how can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys and I said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. So that rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. And he looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. Yo, welcome back, welcome back. My name is Gift, Gift, a Baylou. This is Rugby Swag. And as one person asked me, really live? Yes, we are doing this live because that's what we do. If this is your first time here, I welcome you through. And if it's not, yo, thank you for being able to be a support and consistently trying to be part of changing the rugby narrative, ah, maybe more or less, but learning more about what's going on in rugby and the people that are doing things out here with it. You know, and of course, guys, you know, before we really, really get started into it, I really want you to know I need you guys to like and subscribe onto this, man. Tell your friends about this because this is what we do. Of course, we always have the replay, but this is what we really need you to do. And if you want to be able to converse with us and converse with me with it, Yo, you guys can absolutely go and like us on social media. Check us out at Rugby Swag Show on uh, Instagram. Check us out on X at Gift A. Bailu. And of course, Gift Time Rugby everywhere else. Facebook, YouTube, um, TikTok, and Twitch. Yo, Abel Rose up, man. I appreciate you, King, as well. Thank you very much for the support early and often right here. And, uh, of course, of course, y'all, if you guys are not able to catch it live or you're not able to catch us on social media, definitely listen to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about it. Look, we're trying to spread the news, big it up, and be able to be the platform that also adds to it. A little bit of an American side, a little bit of a uh, diverse side. But, hey, man, all the end, it's a rugby side, and that's what we want to be about on this one. Guys, like I said, we have an amazing, amazing show. A lot to talk about this week as we get closer and closer to Christmas and everything sort of shutting down as the time goes on from there. But before we get started, you know, we got to support the people that support us. So we'll be right back with our first subject of the day. Going to be looking into what's going on with Cape Town 7. Stay tuned. Be right back. Yo, I'm going to let you get right back to it. But I want to talk to you about one of my favorite brands that are out there right now. Actually, I'm going to show you right quick. This is ketogenic coconut bread mix. This is a specialty flour blend that allows me to be able to eat almost whatever cakes that I want. Now, coconut is not typically one of my favorite flavors, but this has absolutely killed. And it's not just because it has great taste, not because it's just easy to make, but it's because it is absolutely not going to destroy my stomach. It is gluten free, but not nasty. Uh, this is something that has been going on, and this company, Health Enhanced Food, has so many other options to be able to do and provide and customize to the needs that I wanted to. And this is something that I think we all know, especially in this world, it's hard to eat grain flour nowadays. It's not good. It's destroying the stomach. People are getting new and new diseases and you need to have some new alternatives. So I suggest definitely go check out Health Enhanced Foods. See what kind of bread you can make. And no, it takes 20 minutes to be able to make something from it. They have a slew of options and they are well knowledgeable in the ingredients. Everything is transparent. Everything is made in the U.S. and then some. So in the meantime, if you guys could support the show and go to Health Enhanced Food and you can use coupon code rugby swag to be able to get 10% off your first purchase order. That's rugby swag and you guys can go ahead and get your bread journey going on today. That's just your cakes, your pies, your bread and of course with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming around, you're going to need it. healthenhancedfoods.com. Let's get back to it. All right y'all, let's get back to it. Let's get into this right away because I don't want to hold off much longer. Y'all, we got Cape Town 7s as our number one subject. And, of course, yo, it's obviously we try and be a little bit more USA focused with this one. But this one was, was again, another toughie. Yo, shout out, Argentina, Australia, absolutely topping this. We'll get this done right out the way. Australia is an absolute monster this year absolute monster 2 and 0 absolutely dominating factor uh and Argentina they're 1 and 0 in this so far uh obviously they lost against uh, Fiji in the last round but hey coming into this one Argentina said hey we're not taking any we're not taking any victims all right we're not taking any victims we're murdering through and they ended up doing it being able to get on top and be able to win this one Argentina is definitely a dark horse for uh Olympic gold for next year. I think they saw Fiji do it twice and said, yo, we need to get us some. But this isn't just about Argentina and them. This ain't just about Argentina and them. This is about what's going on. Let's start off with the women's side, because that's the side that personally, I think, has the most hope from the USA end. So going into this, I just want to put it out because I want to lead us into this properly. All right. We had Australia, New Zealand, France, Canada, Fiji, Ireland and USA at 7 coming out of uh, coming out of Dubai. Now I said on the last one for the USA, I was very disappointed with the way that they played. It felt like they were still, they weren't sinking. They weren't living up to the talent that they, I truly believe that they were able to do. And of course, on top of that, they like, it just, they weren't gelling in on this one, but hey, this is what I appreciate about a team that knows how to adjust when it matters most, because Yo, these women brought it again. We had the same roster from Dubai. Uh, Eliana Mar, uh, Elena Olsen, Sammy Sullivan, uh, Kayla Canette, Alex Cedric, Nia Tapper, captaining Nicole Haverland, uh, Sheda Emba, Ariana Ramsey, Aleph Kelter, Lauren Doyle, and Jazz Gray. So we had our same crew. This is what I consider is a gold level crew they got the speed they got the burst they got the experience this might be one of the oldest teams in uh the seven series right now but i do believe that they are absolutely capable of getting a top one or two finish for the olympics going into next year and this is what this is all about so for me it was all about yo how are we going to be starting off strong dubai i coming in seventh and, and just a big failure mark early on in pool play was just disappointing. One win in pool play, and uh, you can't do that. All right. But we came with it. Uh, USA had a, a actually fairly tough, a fairly tough uh, pool in Pool C. They were taking on France, Canada, and South Africa. Now, before you guys say anything, oh man, South Africa and ish, South Africa has definitely improved since the pandemic. Like that is a, uh, uh program in terms of the women's program that has improved steadily since 2021 prior to the pandemic absolutely we're trying to get the pieces back together very similar to fiji they're not there yet i'm not saying they're contenders or anything like that but i'm saying they're not anything to be you know sniffed on all right you can't just pass them to the side but the usa i had predicted that france was probably going to end up being the biggest rival uh and the biggest difficulty because that is a team look if you guys have seen sifa uh Uh, not Safa and Daya, uh, Sophia Donnie, who is a, uh, from athletes, absolutely gazelle of a runner, gazelle of a runner, absolutely dominant. She's a world rugby player of the year. She's been at this. France is one of the toughest teams to be able to play right now. I felt USA was going to be able to match well against Canada because typically we always have a back and forth against Canada. Uh, They win, we win, you know inter intercontinental rivalries what can we say and then south africa i figured they might be a little bit tough but i had no expectations for them to actually you know really suffer from it and I, I think the predictions out of pool play were fairly correctly uh in the other pools we had australia fiji japan and spain for pool a and then for pool b we had new zealand great britain ireland and brazil okay and so again we're running a fairly different gamut um it's not as obvious. I think Pool B was is particularly difficult. Uh, New Zealand, Great Britain, and Ireland are two, three teams that have been able to grow and increase with time. Um, and um, Australia, Fiji are definitely you know top notch right there. Japan and Spain trying to find their way through it. I'm gonna answer questions in a moment, but I'm gonna get to it. And once we get to it, so Cameron Poirier, I'm gonna get to you, brother. I'm gonna get to you. All right, so. Looking into this Cape Town 7s, uh, USA, 2-1 and one in it, beating Canada first up, 21-14. The way it's supposed to, you got to start out strong. Canada is also an experienced team, top 14 typically, but I'm glad that USA started off strong. France absolutely got mollywopped, and I think this one is... Expose a little of the problems that we had going forward. Uh, we obviously then took it back against South Africa, uh, beating them 34-0. We lost to France 31-0. Then we went up against Great Britain uh, and took them out in the quarterfinals, 19-12. And then we lost in a molly whopping against Australia, uh, 33-5 in the semifinals, to ultimately take on New Zealand in the uh, third pl- in the fourth-place match. In the third-place match, um, losing to New Zealand 19-7 to for the bronze, finishing fourth for the women. I will take the positive. We improved I better fourth than seventh, needed the points, needed to show that we had the gustos. We still have some of those same problems that we had before, but, you know, it was at least something that we can, can hang our hats on. Now, one thing that I saw from this, and this is the positive. Let me look at the positive first. Yo, the women looked like they were back in sync with each other. Uh looked like they were finally getting they were getting their rhythm. I know it's a second one, so sometimes it takes a moment especially whenever you have so so time, but of course, they also play year round or at least have training year round. So the synchronization is is iffy. Um, we're still looking at that. again, we have the roster, but I think we're trying to find those moments. I think Ariana Ramseys, Sammy Sullivan are looking like they're gonna be our version of Perry Baker and Carlin Isle in this moment. So I think that one adds a little factor into um, adds a little factor into, you know, what we can do off the edges. Of course, Naya absolutely dominating down the middle, LF Kelter dominating down the middle. Um, and of course, you know we we keep it strong with our our forward. So I'm I like what we have. The negatives that I found was that we are still missing tackles. I don't know why we are letting so many breakaways go through. We held this New Zealand team that's very very tough, still very very talented. Michaela Blyde getting 200 tries. Only only person who has more tries than her is her teammate Portia Woodman with Cliffy. Uh, with Cliffy uh, with 233 tries uh, from at least the last time I looked at it. So I'm not going to be completely thrown off off of everything that we're doing. But, you know, we we still have those things where we need to beat these big teams to be able to get that Olympic gold. And that has to be solved by closing up those middles and not allowing those major breakaways. If they're going to get a score, make them earn it and wear them out so that we can get it later on. Um, And then, like I said, I think ball movement has actually improved since Dubai Sevens. Uh, Again, this is a team that is very experienced. They understand each other for the most part. So many veterans. So many veterans. Uh, It's a power team when it needs to be. It's a finesse team when it needs to be. We just need them to be at the time consistently against these big teams. Losing to Australia, dominated by Australia twice. Not a good sign. Dominated by France twice. Not a good sign. But, again, a close one against New Zealand. I would prefer us to do better and have a better start. New Zealand really kicked it off early. And then USA versus uh, the – and then uh, what we're doing with Great Britain, we need to watch them because they are steadily increasing and getting their synchronization. It's a talented team. They dominated us uh, in 2021 during the Olympics. They can dominate us again by 2024 for the Olympics as they get their their legs underneath them. So I think it's something to really be able to pay attention to Uh, women standing. Obviously, USA moved up uh, a spot from seven to six. um, Australia staying at number one. France staying at number one. New Zealand moving up. To number three, Fiji dropping. Uh, Canada still just above us, dropping down one to number five. Uh, Ireland dropping two down uh, to seven. Brazil at eight. Yo, let's go! Another team that you guys need to watch for. Great Britain at nine. Japan at ten. South Africa at eleven. Spain at uh, Spain at at twelve. Uh, uh, to to top it off for the H- H- HSBC for this one. Next one's not happening until Perth. So. We still got a lot of, we got a little bit of time to be able to get ourselves back together. You know, you get ourselves all back together. Now, this is where I get super pissed off because this is potential just slowly getting wasted away. That's over at the men's side. So oh, what what can we say about USA men's? Look, let's say straight up, you know, coming out of Dubai sevens. All right. Uh Made it at least to the quarterfinals. South Africa topping it last last week at Dubai Sevens. Argentina number two, New Zealand number three, Fiji, Ireland, Samoa, Australia, and USA at two at eight. France, Great Britain, Spain, Canada uh, to follow up after that in the rankings. So we saw going to the quarterfinals. USA had a favorable pool, was able to at least make it to the quarterfinals, and then they kind of fell apart uh, as it ended, and then we ended up in uh, ultimately in. Eighth place uh, for for Dubai seven, so you'd hope. Okay, we're we're increasing, and there's a little bit of excuse. You know, we're still missing power players like Perry Baker. Uh, if he's coming back, I think I feel like he's waiting for injuries and picking his point in time. Um, uh, you know, we got new guys that are in, in a sense. Uh, you know, looking at the roster, we got guys come, that came back. Obviously, we talk about Madison Hughes, uh, Malachi Easdale, Aaron Cummings, Ben Pinkelman. These are veterans. All right. You know, guys have been in the Olympics before. We've seen them do the work before. We've done. We know what they're capable of. And that's not even including uh, guys like uh, um, uh, Marcus Tup- Tupola in that one. And then uh, the rest of it is kind of like, again, you're figuring out this new class. The problem with doing this is that we had like three years to figure out a new class and we still ain't figured out the new class for this one yet. And I don't don't really feel good about that. And it's starting to show on the field because you get guys like Malachi Easdale, Madison Hughes, that are dynamic players. And honestly, honestly, for this USA men's team, it is an athletic team. This is a legitimately athletic team. So by all measures, they should be better. It should be much better. But this week they just, they just got worked. So they had Pool A. They were part of Ireland, South Africa, Great and Great Britain. Now, for me, I thought that there was a chance for them to come out of this pool, uh, at least number two. I figured South Africa was going to come out number one. That was pretty obvious. South Africa's dominant team when it comes to seven. This dominant program across the board. We know it. Ireland has been increasing substantially since 2019. All right. Obviously, we saw what they did with 2015 up until the Rugby World Cup. And, um, but Ireland sevens has actually been like legitimately improving over the last five years. So I knew that would be a challenge. And then there was great Britain where I was like, they're still work in progress, right? Like you don't know what they're capable of doing fully yet, but you don't feel like they're getting their footing all the way through, uh, with it. So it was just like, Ah, I, I I don't know. Like, I, I didn't feel like the U.S. would be incapable of getting out of the quarterfinals because it's been so long since we've not made a quarterfinals in sevens. So I figured it would go. But no, this was not one that we had a good look at. And looking at the other uh, pools, pool, uh, pool B, we had Fiji, Argentina, France, Spain. I figured Argentina and Fiji were going to come out of that one. France is just not powerful enough on sevens. Right now, I, I don't know if they got Dupont yet, uh but you know, they got to work their way through and then pool C had uh, Australia, Canada, New Zealand and Samoa. So, Australia like Australia and New Zealand was probably where it was going to come out from uh in that one that I figured. Samoa and Canada were going to be the odd ones out on when it came to it. Well, y'all. The USA absolutely shit the bed on this one. And uh like just w- absolutely watching the talent potential just drop because of lack of synchronization, poor tackling. So let's let's look down what what the rounds were. So straight up off the bat, they took on Ireland again. Yo, a young Ireland team. Um, and and hold on, I give it up uh, for Cameron on this one. Um. Cameron Poirier, and I'm actually going to answer his other stuff because he's been legitimate on this. Uh, he was saying initially USA women, rugby sevens have been turning up for sure. And he was like, yo, facts, plenty of youngest talent out there in the circuit college who can ball. Never made sense to me that the best athletes don't get a shot. Yo, there's realness. And, and, and I don't know, you know, obviously there's systems that go to it, but looking at this with uh, Ireland, with the USA rugby team uh, for, for this round of K-Town kicking off with Ireland 31-0, molly whopping by Ireland, absolutely taking it up the middle and just taking advantage of poor tackling. All right, cool, bet. That's one off the board. Came back, against round two against South Africa, 26-14. Yo, what? <laughs> okay, again, a better game, kind of closing, but a better game off of that. But this is the one that shocked me most of all, losing 26-31 to to Great Britain. As I said, Great Britain is trying to get themselves together. This is an England this is England, Wales, Scotland, all right? They don't play with each other all year round. This is only for international sevens, basically Olympic sevens teams that they all come together as one. So, for them they literally have to have time to match. I don't care what the talent is. They need to have time to mesh. The U.S. have at least had two, three years to be able to mesh together and get themselves. They should be beating Great Britain. So of course we don't make it into the quarterfinals, and we're immediately pushed down into the ninth place fi- uh, semifinals for it, where we take on who? Great Britain once again. Great Britain, and we lose to them back to back, twenty-one to fourteen. And like I said, I want to talk positives. Like I said, they're an athletic group. It's an athletic group of guys like they can play. If you give them a break, they can ball. But my God, the defense is like Swiss cheese. Them dudes be grabbing up above the shoulders, very poor at the lower leg tackle, not making the chase downs, not getting the angles they need to. It is like literally watching. I'm not going to say remedial because it's not remedial. They're, they're better than remedial, but it's very poor defensive Rugby. It's I feel like they work so much on trying to be able to make the ball movement, keep connection, get playoffs, get the kicks. Because Madison Hughes be kicking. Madison Hughes be doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, and him at scrum half definitely is a very big difference maker versus anybody else that's there. But my goodness, like, you know, this 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 one wasn't they they just are missing when it counts, and so it creates big breakaways for this uh for teams. And, of course, we finished in the 11th place finals against Samoa, beating Samoa 24-19, you know, literally the consolation prize of it all. So it's hard to be able to take it because, again, the fear is what's going to happen when the Olympics comes along, right? Like the Olympics is where we need to be able to figure out our stuff most of all. Uh, And that's where we're trying to get to. Let's actually make a push. We've finished – 8th and ninth in the Olympics, 2016 and 2020, 2021, respectively. You know, then the Rugby World Cup 7s finishing at 10th, 9th, 10th, again, for the Rugby World Cup 7s. Uh, and and a possibility for one moment, split moment, Perry Baker putting it on to retirement, which I think is awful. That, that's awful. Uh final standings for the men's side uh ends up being Argentina, South Africa, Fiji at three, New Zealand, Ireland, Australia, Samoa, uh four to seven, France, Canada, and then finally USA at 10, dropping, dropping to 10th, two two spots to tenth behind Canada, and then Great Britain and Spain to follow it up. So let's get to some of the the responses up here because hey, my boy Cameron was out here doing his thing. Uh um So he uh, makes a mention. All right, let's let's hit that first one. All right. So Cameron goes, hey, why do you think South American rugby doesn't get a lot of publicity support, even though their history is deep rooted, plus plenty of success, mainly speaking of Argentina, Chile, Paraguay, Uruguay? So for this one, I really think it's actually kind of important to take into consideration that we're talking about a money game versus like historical. So in one instance, yes, there has been instances of his uh, uh, history where you've seen success for these, particularly I'll say from Argentina and Chile, Uruguay a little bit more and Paraguay is, is kind of coming up. Uruguay coming up a little bit more, but Paraguay, but Argentina definitely. When you look at like who's also being able to make maneuvers, it, it's hard. Argentina has a really big leg up. Like I learned a lot this week about what Argentina is capable of doing. Um, and a lot of the fact that their clubs are like legitimate clubs, like these are hundred year memberships that have been going on. I mean, these are guys who may or may not be still living in Argentina and are paying into it. So they're able to be able to produce the best constantly, even through the private are able to produce the best because they don't have to, there's not much required from the players But there's so much loyalty from the alumni that are part of it. So you start to see their rise. And obviously, Argentina has been the power play for South America. Now, when you talk about uh, Chile, Uruguay, and I would actually replace Paraguay and put in Brazil for that one. Again, you talk about what they've been able to do on the Next level. So you've seen spot success. I mean, like Brazil beat USA back in 2017, 2016. Uh, Uruguay obviously is having their ascension and they've been up and down with it, but always been a kind of consistent force with it. But typically, whenever you've seen them at the biggest level, they just haven't performed. We saw Chile in the Rugby World Cup, hard workers, but did not actually like finish up. In sevens, hard workers, but didn't actually finish up. So I think what you're just getting is that they have not been able to get as much attention. One, you know, money into the programs. That's always a thing. How much investment has gone into it? And number two, it's then performing when it matters most. Not necessarily all the points, but when it matters most. But I I think you're very right that South America has uh, actually been very, very... uh, um, Progressive in their rugby. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that coming out of it now. Um, and then you talk about Cameron Perrier, per, Perrier also talks a little bit about more uh, Central and South American teams on the rise. Brazil, Mexico, Caribbean teams, which I talked about Brazil. I do feel like they should be on that list over Um over Paraguay. Uh, I feel like it makes sense to embrace American rugby and improve fixtures with American teams. Again, it goes back to the mindset of it. You know, we're talking South America, North America. If you're talking from South America up, it's all one America. If you're talking North America down, it's North and South America. So you have different governing systems, even though, you know, you, even with Ran. It, it's a different system of seriousness that even the U.S. and uh, Canada take versus the Caribbean, uh, Central America, Mexico, and South America take into it. And that's, you know, ran ran south, ran north. Uh, rugby America north, rugby America south. So, again, you can take the theme. I'm a big believer that you need to dominate your continent and then you dominate the rest of the world. But, um, again, this is where attention, this is where... Uh, Money comes in. This is where the investment has to come into figuring out what you got to do with it. And then you start to see the results when it comes to things like uh, the HSBC sevens. This is why I think it's really important that the Challengers Cup is a part of this now, because uh, without the Challengers Cup, uh, you might not have a chance to be able to watch. Uh, so many teams be able to rise and relegate into these main series so that they can compete and and really see, show what they have to offer. I'll even take it one further on the African side. Like, look at ooh, Uganda. Nigeria is about to start making their big ups. Obviously, we know a lot about Kenya. We know about Namibia from 15s. Madagascar with sevens. These are teams that don't get a lot of attention because they're just not put on the biggest stage. But you need to have things that allow it to relegate up. So that's where you get to show it. Um, and then, uh, of course, you you talk about USA 7s, in your opinion, being the best marketing for the sport. I don't know if it's necessarily the best, but it's the most convenient. Um, I do think that multiple games in one day can be very exhausting for a natural crowd, and it's easier to be able to pinpoint a team to be able to do it. And albeit the game is quicker, but I think that can be the curse and a blessing that goes with it. So uh, I think it works as long as we're winning whenever we're not i think it just pushes it down into an irrelevant and then on a world stage it continues to just kind of undermine the development that can actually come so you know we'll see what happens with that uh kind of moving forward uh with with um you know with what goes on in rugby especially rugby in this side of the world <laughs> all right so next story coming up uh you know we <laughs> We, we, we've been talking a lot of MLR the last couple weeks, y'all. A lot of MLR and not in positive news. Obviously, it's been surrounded around Toronto shutting down. And then, of course, just this past week, Rugby New York shutting down as well. So what do you do whenever you went from 13 teams down to 11 teams and you got to figure it out? Well, you find a way to get convenient and it looks like there is the story that's going around it was uh put initially on uh cuatro casa uh a law firm talking about an MLR team going down to Mexico all right this would down to Mexico trying to bring our second Latin American team to the uh MLR and honestly I I don't know exactly what to think about it so Let's let's kind of talk. Look at what they they had to offer. What they were talking about uh, when they were bringing a team about bringing a team over. So uh, in the news report, uh, uh, Cuatro Casa dropped the report. Uh, and let, let me get it up here for you guys because you gotta you got you gotta see this. You gotta experience it. But I'm gonna read it off for my for the listeners as well. Uh, for Cuatro Casa, all right. Um, so they put out an announcement saying Rugby Ventures Mexico signs agreement with INDE under which Nuevo León will have professional rugby. Uh, and so you guys, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more. So let's read this out. Cuatro Casa, which is a law firm in Mexico, advised Rugby Ventures Mexico on signing a contract with the Nuevo León Institute for Physical Education and Sports to enable its rugby team to play at the new facilities IND is building. The transaction will enable the state of Nuevo Leon to have a professional rugby team. The Monterey team will be number 13, which actually now would be 12, because clearly they didn't get this in before uh, before, uh, Rugby New York went to pieces, in the Major League Rugby. The team, which does not have an official name yet, is expected to play in the season starting in February 2025. The contract signed also enables Rugby Ventures Mexico to obtain financial support thanks to the facilities and the construction improvements to the new stadium. The Cuatro Casas uh, legal team handling this transaction was made up of lawyers Santiago Ferrer, Ivana Munez, uh, Jeron, uh, uh, Jeronimo uh, Riku. And uh, from our Mexico City offices. All right. So uh, this is this is this is what we have going on. Now, uh, a lot of people are going to ask you, where is Cuatro Uh Where is no- N- Nuevo León? So apparently it is in uh, the northern part of Mexico near the border of uh, it looks like Texas, uh, Texas and uh, New Mexico. And you know, again, from a positioning standpoint, I think it makes all the sense in the world uh, to be able to do that, um, and I think it, it, it provides a a lot of at least a diversity and it kind of speaks to what Cameron was just saying in being able to develop and provide a name for these other countries in the Americas to be able to get a spotlight like we just seen it with Argentina uh doing it for Miami Sharks I know it's technically Miami Sharks but it's the Argentinians of Miami Sharks being able to play in a much closer competition of professional rugby uh so you know we, we you get a chance to be able to see this now for me I I don't know so much about if I'm 100% sold on what it is because it's not going to be the first time that we've had a very remote, um, let's say, investment group actually like make an announcement that they're going to play a game and then nothing really comes from it. And again, this was also really convenient. So one example that I, I like using in this was what happened with uh, Ka- uh, Kano- uh, Kanaloa, Hawaii back in 2020. So, if you guys don't know, kind of Loa Hawaii was a group that was interested in putting an MLR team in Hawaii because they have great Polynesian, um, great Polynesian uh, community. They have a uh, rugby community. Obviously, it's a very high sporting one, especially when it comes to football. Um, it was produced. It was being put together by uh, these two guys. It, they were um, two all former All Blacks, and Joe uh, Rococo. And Jerome Canu. uh Joe up top, Jerome at the bottom. So they were really looking in 2020 to be able to put in a team, and we were announced to be able to go into improvement for 2021. All right. So, you know, you kind of have this like little component and piece here that makes it feel like okay, we'll get something. And if you guys think that. Mexico is an oddity. Hawaii is way out there. Like, if you want to talk about pushing prices to get out there, Hawaii is what six hours uh time zone difference from uh New York. So, like, you're talking at least it's at least a five-hour trip, uh at least from Texas to um five-hour trip from Texas to Hawaii. So this little Mexico one is nothing, but this one was supposed to be an ambitious one, but what seemed to have happened was this happened during the COVID. Uh, there wasn't a the plan that they felt like MLR had for if you've tell me if you've heard this financial stability and a plan to be able to, in this case, come out of COVID. And so ultimately the group didn't feel like they would be. Economically viable enough to be able to hold a professional team in the MLR and uh, and be able to put one in Hawaii at that time, and ultimately can the whole idea in 2022. Another example of this that we have of a team making an a group making an announcement, but nothing really coming of it was MLR Tennessee. Uh, I think it was a group out of Nashville, Nashville. If you if you're not uh, from around the area. Uh, that wanted to put an mlR team which actually to be honest with you Nashville is actually a probably premium spot the uh, east Coast version of Las Vegas if you may um they had talked about it in February of 2022 since then nothing's really come of it there hasn't been any news any announcement players um you know again Tennessee is an area that has support but you know what happens so, you know, for my thoughts when it comes to this, like this Mexico thing is something that I, I'm just not confident in what the follow through is, especially the convenience of when it was released. I look forward to hearing more. It doesn't seem like any MLR owners or any MLR teams or the MLR office has said anything about this in any way, shape or form. So I, I don't know. I would love to see a New Mexico team because, you know, we they, they, they do have have uh, players. It's. You know, with Rand, they they do have a base based out of Mexico City. So there is a positioning where you could have a great um, stream of eyes to take it in. Something very similar to what uh, Telemundo did for the NFL and providing an eyes. And if you guys know how much Latin America really supports for Latin America um, in in respective things, uh, you know, we talk about music. A lot of people don't know that Latin American music uh, is one of the biggest genres of music and they support because when they represent, they represent hard, very similar to country music. Like they represent, they represent hard. So there's ideals for it. Uh, Let's go into the comments on, on this uh, shout out to my guy Blurters. Thank you for the support. Um, you know Keith, yo, my boy. Um, Abel Rosa, Abel Rosa. Um, it's tell, saying, yo, Mexico sucks at rugby, bad. But I want them in. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna lie. It, you know Mexico has definitely struggled they definitely have their struggles but i know that they've been working on the program a uh, shout out to one of our friends of the show jen salomon who has been an advent um progressor player and mentor for the uh rugby mexico women's team you know can actually check out her interview on on our channel but yeah i you know they they, they haven't been able to perform but again they don't get normal funding they're not 24/7 you know a, Training nationally, you know, it it takes a lot of effort, and obviously, it's very centralized to literally one or two regions. Uh, for Rugby Mexico to be able to actually, you know, show out what they're what they do to be able to improve. So, having a professional team would be a nice step up. That's if they, you know, pulled from Mexico. We've known a lot of times that most teams don't just pull from their local base, you're probably going to get some New Zealanders, random South African, a Canadian, and some Irish people that will fall into it and then fill in the gaps with some local um, uh, Mexican players. But I think at the same time, I think it would be a good look. I think the biggest issue would then be just the visa stuff. Um, Obviously, Canada has some ease with it, but Canada is still pretty tough. Mexico has their own stipulations, and I wonder what the healthcare situation would be in terms of the insurance. I know how uh, Mexico actually has really good medical facilities, all things considering, and it's at the border, so you know this is an area where a lot of people do do their work. But you know, I, I don't know. Like it, it's got uh, it's got upside. I kind of hope it's true, but I'm not going to be betting the horses that it's going to come into fruition. Sometimes it just it sounds good, and people are talking about it, but then when it comes down to like putting rubber to the road, people get freaked out like they did with the investors in New York and all of a sudden what was a hopeful endeavor ends up being a complete pipe dream and then we're back to square one. So, you know, let me know what else you guys thoughts are. I appreciate the conversations. Thank you guys so far and of course we're going to continue on this. Yo, we will be talking a little bit about what's going on in Japan, but before we get to that, yo, let's get to these commercials and uh we'll be right back Rugby Swag show. Definitely. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is just the break. Transiting out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I needed help, and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is a extroverted tour de force but what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Gift, where are we? We're in oh, no! Morning, Vee! <laughs> Mount Fuji, baby! Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, center. Yeah! Rugby is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Malaysia. Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Watch the full adventure at seerugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S E E rugby.vhx.tv. Yo, welcome, welcome back. I got a little bit frozen up, so I don't know what happened. If you guys received it or not, the same way. But man, look, let's 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 get to this next story because yo. It 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 finally happened. All right. We talked about it all during the rugby world cup. We talked about it during uh, the 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 you know afterward. We talked about it, but it, it's finally here, it's finally about to happen. It looks like yo, Eddie Jones is now officially a cherry blossom for Japan, taking over as the head coach for Japan rugby. Again. All right. Brave Blossom. I'm so sorry. Brave Blossom. And I, I got to say, like, this is hilarious because it, it was the worst kept secret. Like this man, I mean, if you don't remember, was just over in Australia, completely shat the bed in Australia uh in the Rugby World Cup, Uh, not picking players, poorly developing. But, you know, this guy's got a legend. This is like a first round draft pick. That has a mediocre success, but has not fulfilled the agreement as m- in the times where it mattered most versus when it didn't. And then obviously talks back. Like, I feel like this is what Zach Wilson for the Jets would end up being like. Like, you're just always going to have chances, but your performances in the past, will they make up for what you do in the future? I, I, I don't know. But this is one that I thought was really, really interesting because of the fact that. Everybody does not like this guy. Like, it is wild how much it's disliked. Now, for me, I'll be honest with you, I have – I loved – I liked Eddie Jones. I loved what he did with Japan in 2019 and did during the 2015 uh, Rugby World Cups and making them an absolute contender. Like, it was a team that nobody had any expectations of, a team that absolutely just felt like they shocked people, even though they've got a great system and they have a great – element to it, but is this a system like they, they, Japan showed him and it was under Eddie Jones's watch what he did in England. I thought it was solid. You know, he was able to get them, uh, you know, at least around the six nations. I don't think they won, but you know, around it, uh, and, and yo, the comment, dude, I got to put this on yo shout out average rugger. Yo, the man said, Eddie Jones, the dictator himself, old bald-headed Eddie, doing bald head Nissan ultimate driver activities in Japan. <laughs> Yo, let's go. Let's go. But, yeah, like, Eddie Jones, just he has a reputation. The man is a talker. He talks smack. He talks back to the press. The man really likes to do things his way, whether it is right or whether it is wrong. It's sometimes hard to be able to tell. But I think uh, in this Australia round, man, that was highway robbery in some way shape or form england i i feel like he needs more slack the ending wasn't so pretty but he started off really really well um but you know i i I just i wanted to look down his resume a little bit because i think this one is the one that you just got to get it because i don't think a lot of people always get it whenever you're outside of the countries about what the eddie jones uh let's call it the eddie jones effect really actually is so let's run down his resume so Eddie Jones. All right. We're going to call it. He was born in Australia, technically Tasmania. Um, he was a former hooker. All right. So, you know, they got to be antsy. All hookers got to be antsy because you was smack dab in the middle there trying to be, you know, catching the ball with your feet while you got these two big guys squeezing you and you got people in front of you squeezing you as well. All right. So he started off coaching 1994 Randwick, uh 1995 to 1996 at Tokai University over in Japan. 1996 he became Japan National Team assistant coach. 1997 uh the Suntory Sunwolves, uh the professional team, he took over as assistant coach. 1998 to 2001 went to England, took over as the Brumbies head coach. 2001 to 2005 which One of my buddies who absolutely is a big Australia rugby fan, more league now than Union, like most Australians – but this is the time that he truly learned to despise Eddie Jones. 2001 to 2005 as the head coach for the Australian national team. 2006, Eddie Jones took over as technical advisor for the Saracens. Uh, 2007, went back to Australia and took over as head coach for Queensland Reds. 2007, went to South Africa to be uh, the technical advisor for South Africa, uh, which means he clearly didn't finish out the Queensland Reds time. Uh, 2007 to 2009, went back up to England to be a technical advisor for the Saracens 2009 to 2012 went back to Japan to take over as the head coach for the Century Sunwolves uh, and the 2012 to 2015 which is the area that you know we talk about the most uh, particularly that 2015 year he took over as Japan national team head coach where 2015 we saw them have that nice little run and be able to do some damage set a little culture there. 2015 to 2022, uh, obviously, was the England national team head coach, I think, topped off following at finishing second in the 2019 Rugby World Cup against South Africa, where, you know, obviously, South Africa dominated. Well, it was actually a really close game. It was a legitimately close game uh, in 2019. And obviously, a toppling failure of a campaign in 2023, going to Australian national team. So, at least there's some things that we know is true. The man knows how to maneuver around. And at the same time, he is also uh, uh, has had successes in these respective places. Um, guy, average rugby, giving a little bit of uh, insight. In he is a good coach. We got our second World Cup in two thousand seven through his antics. So uh, in all, uh, that's for Australia. Uh, so um, he, <laughs> so being able to do that, I mean, it, it gives credence you know he has credence So why like i said he's a first round draft pick he just hasn't performed all the time as a first round draft pick and i think people get really antsy on him especially because of the way he talks now for me as an american i think that there is something that goes with a good smack talker as long as you're able to perform like i, I do get tired of the regular rugby thing where like you got to be you know got to be overly respectful you know, you got to be you got to be on par most of the time. Um, and 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 I, I I get it. You know, there's it's, you know, trying to do the gentleman's sport and the hooligans game nonsense. But, you know, I, I do like somebody who comes with an attitude because I think that reflects on the rest of the team. And you hit it hard. You play hard. You go hard. Um, but again, as you get older, you know, it's the Bill Belichick effect. If you guys know uh, American rugby, you no know, American rugby, American football, the Patriots, Bill Belichick success for a solid 20 plus years and able to get it over. People can say he's a quarterback and say his system, whatever you want to say, but you know, he shows success. But then whenever it's come to this late stage, the man's not as uh what's the word? He's not as flexible as it is. And I feel like Eddie Jones falls into that. He is my way or the highway because I've seen the success. And I don't think he believes rugby changes very much, which I do feel like there is possibly validity in that in terms of the way of play like everybody has kind of had their style whether you're in uh, uh, northern hemisphere and england and italy that have that hard nose you know punch you in the throat with your forward style or you have the more free open style like the south pacific does with their athletes new zealand australia um fiji samoa like you know that these elements typically do the same things over and over and over again so If his my way or the highway uh, aspect kind of creates some stumbling, I get it. But what he does with Japan, I I don't know. Like, Japan wasn't terrible in this Rugby World Cup. I just don't think – it felt like they could not uh, perform above what their expectations. And I don't think their coach did a bad job, even though he resigned. Uh, I think he he did a solid job. My question will be is then can Eddie Jones once again pull out – more than what is expected from Japan to be able to go back to being a dominant team, because it was after 2019 that was kind of the follow up from the culture of 2015 that Japan moved from being a top level tier two team to a bottom level tier one team where now they have expectations and, you know, they have they have uh, um you know, money behind them. Everybody knows about, you know, Japan League One and the amount of investment that they have in creating, developing professional players. They're stealing players from premiership rugby, just like top 14 and, uh, and, and pulling people from the URC as well. So they have something there. So I think it's kind of like, yo, what's the system that's guiding to it? So I don't know if Eddie Jones is necessarily the one to do it because, again, he's 66, 67 years old. You know, you're trying to buy for another Rugby World Cup. Japan will ultimately make it because Japan's the best team in Asia right now in 15. So that goes almost without saying. But it's just like, I I really hope this is kind of his last hurrah. I think getting up there, man, if you haven't made your money by this point, I know rugby is hard to make money in, but man, the man had a million dollar, albeit five years, a million dollar, four years, a million dollar like contract. For Australia and didn't even make it a full year, and I know he's probably finishing up being paid out from England, even though I think they stopped paying him when he went to Australia. So it's like, yo, save your money, man, because you can't be jumping around like a, a hired gun through all these places, man. you almost seventy, even though I do believe seventy is is young in this day and age. I believe in age inflation, but um, it's just I, I, it's going to be interesting to see if he'll set up a system or he's going to be mad that maybe the system that he had before. Uh, no longer functions in the same way that uh, he previously expected it to do. So let me know what your guys' thoughts are all on this one. What do you guys think? Where's your position when it comes to Eddie in Japan? You know, again, a place he's seen success, a place he set up a system, a place he set up a culture. Now, I want to know what your thoughts are that go along with it. Hit us in the DMs, in the comments. Uh, yo, I'm getting it again. Average Rugger, man. Uh, and Eddie... <laughs> Bro, Average Rugger, you are killing me. I, I you are killing me. I love it. Average Rugger says any Eddie Baldhead team is usually the fittest team that worked in the days of grinding 15 to 20 phases, uh rucks being contested heavily, forwards following the ball everywhere. That's that's great, especially if you go into open space like you deal with uh uh New Zealand where you need to be able to have ultimate ball control uh for them. So, uh they're they're, they're again, there's a valid spot To be able to say where Eddie Jones can fit. Like I said, can Japan be able to take that next leap? They're getting a new set of players. And if their rules change and some of those pro players that have been there for a while can now move and play for the national teams, you know, Japan can be a legitimate beast and an actual contender for the next Rugby World Cup, let alone, you know, whatever we see happens for for, um, the Olympics. All right, y'all. All right. So, Let's 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 move on to the next subject. I I always love a good Eddie Jones talk. Um, but yo, I want to talk about mission Project Popolu. Now, you guys are gonna be wondering, like, what the heck is Project Popolu? Okay, I don't know, no worries. I got you. I'm gonna explain it to you. All right. Uh, shout out to my boy Marquise, uh, Marquise Goodman, uh Goodwin, uh out of California, one of the uh head refs and one of the guys leading this project now. Uh, What is Project Popolu, all right? Project Popolu is a dedicated opportunity developmental um, program for Black and Polynesian rugby refs within the U.S. Rugby Pathways Framework. Their initiative is to design and establish a comprehensive 12-month program that offers guidance, mentorship, robust support while advocating for these rests within their local referee organizations. Their primary goal is to significantly enhance the representation of this demographic within the National Referee Development Group and high-performance groups. Now, why is this important, all right? Why does this matter? Well, I think we have consistently always talked about the diversity and the range that goes with rugby. And I think that also speaks a lot to what happens with the refs. Now, I, I, there's no secret that people absolutely get pissed off and go off on refs. We got a whole guy in the TMO, Tom Foley, who's just like, dude, I gotta I gotta stop playing. I gotta stop doing rugby because these people are threatening my families and we're doing the most and I gotta take a mental health break and I gotta be done with this for a little bit. Uh, obviously, Nigel Owens, most famous rugby ref ever uh retired but also you know took a lot of abuse himself so it's not about being able to do the abuse but it's about being able to have referees that i believe are you know built to are 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 built to you know understand how players play at certain ranges you feel me like you don't want to have a guy who sees maybe a poly player that goes in hard and into against maybe like a Europe or a, a Italy or going against a um, England and you get like a situation that happened in the Rugby World Cup with uh, South Africa and England where there's a misunderstanding between uh, language or or attribute of the player. So you want more referees that have a wider range of perspective to go into it and be able to interpret the game so it doesn't disrupt the flow of everything that's going on with it. I think that's fair. I think that's actually really fair. I actually love that for it. And then, of course, within the USA rugby environment, referees literally are about the only people who get paid in rugby in terms of uh, under the MLR stance. And, you know, obviously that even has its own hit and what's not with it. So you want to be ahead have it. And unfortunately, we have... A huge rugby referee shortage because of things like the abuse, people still wanting to play, people not really understanding the value of being a referee, uh, people not wanting to do refereeing until after they retire. But nobody ever wants to retire because once you play rugby, you're always a rugby player, right? Like, this is consistent, I know, because I did the referee courses uh about 10 years ago, I did it to be able to learn. And which is the other thing, a lot of people doing referee courses to be able to learn refing, so they can find the loopholes to be able to get around so they can play you know harder or play better or some nonsense like that you know we all everybody wants to check in but nobody's trying to beat a ref so i think this gives an initiative for those who might not consider this as a uh projected career um and and to be able to talk about it you guys can actually check out uh marquise goodwin's uh interview with us we did it a few years, a couple of years ago, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. It's episode forty-eight because he talks about the impact of refereeing, and this was right as the shortage was starting to kick in. So, this organization, I mean, they're they're out here, they're just kicking off, and I, I do like it. This is why I brought it up. Um, they have actually a really strong. Uh, rugby board. Hold on, I want to I want to bring this up so you guys can kind of see uh, in the U.S. Uh, overseas, you guys might not know about it as much, but in the U.S., yo, these guys have actually some reputability. We see them all the time. As I said, you had like uh, Marquise Goodwin, who obviously takes it, it the, very much, leading it uh, in terms of the refereeing. Hold on, let me let me open this more so we can get the the, the full effect. The full effect. Nobody, nobody wants to see you like that, Marcus. Uh, all right. So, to be able to get the. Hold on a second. Okay, there we go. So, be able to get the full effect. So, if you guys have been playing anything in USA rugby across the whole uh, nation setup, you guys have. Arguably been able to uh, interact with one of these refs. Uh, Marquis Goodwin, obviously, I said. He's MLR. He is uh, Southern California. He's been overseas. Top-notch. Elite rugby ref. Uh, Then you got Khalil Harrison, uh, who has been huge in Florida. Known for his speed. Great calls. Like, people loud this guy, Khalil Harrison. Justin Hale, my guy out of Houston. Um, out of Austin. I'm sorry. Out of Austin. Long time player. Long time ref. Really dedicated. Very, very vocal. Um, very dedicated to the development of uh, referees and rugby. Elvi Asonye, my Nigerian sister out of Virginia. She is arguably one of the most detailed refs in the game right now being able to head this. Um, she has been literally everywhere. Literally everywhere. I, I, I don't think she actually stays at home anymore i think she literally just she's uh um i don't know if you guys ever saw that movie with george clooney and anna kendrick whereas like george clooney is a flying uh salesman all the time that's elvie elvie probably has a home that has a table some a couple plates and a bed but literally it's always clean because she's never there because she is so dedicated to the craft of being a referee and then you have alex defree's uh I don't know actually very much about her, um, but she runs California, and obviously uh, that California side they have a lot of great players, uh, great referees that come out of that. Um, one of the other things that I think makes this particularly more interesting um, as well is that they have a strong rugby board along with them. Um, now, uh, some of the players, some of the people that are on this board that I think really helped develop the credibility for it are people like Kevin Battle. Now, if you don't know who Kevin Battle is, uh, Kevin Battle is huge within the youth rugby development community. Uh, he has uh, uh, an academy in Northern California. He is the director for uh, director for MLR um, – Uh, for youth initiatives for the MLR. So actually legitimately working on the pathway system uh, integral in helping develop the urban rugby championships. Um, And he's also the former director of rugby for the now defunct LA guiltinis, you know, so that man is embedded in rugby. Uh, Another person who is massive for the credibility is Richie Walker. If you guys don't know who Richie Walker is, Richie Walker is a former USA women's national team coach was them with them in 2017 when they went to Ireland finished out, I think fourth, fifth in Ireland, which I consider one of the best USA women's teams of all time. And I know we got the ones that won in 1980 in 1991 and 1990, uh, uh, 1995, 1994. Um, But uh, honestly, I I think this team was just more talented and that was under Richie Walker. Uh, He's currently the head of scouting for Premier Rugby Sevens as well. So, you know, he's got an eye for talent, obviously. And then you have a person that we talked about before in Brandon Sparks, who is now... The women's high performance, uh, high performance general manager, uh, formerly with the uh general manager for the Utah Warriors of the MLR. So, you got a lot to be able to work within this element to be able to, you know, be like, okay, these guys might be able to position something. My guy Marcus, I in a lot of people don't, I don't know if you know me, I I, for my events have been primarily um, uh, diverse. No black and brown referees, uh, for who have run it both of the the last two events, 2021 and then obviously 2023 this last year, amazing and being able to have something like the P- Project Popolo being able to be a component of this and now having a more direct way that is also, uh, according to Marquise subsidized by USA Rugby to help the development and USA Rugby has helped with providing, uh black and brown refs for my tournaments as well my tournaments as well my event as well so i really do like what they got going on i i look forward to seeing more about it and of course if you guys want to be able to read up more about project popolo uh you guys can go to project popolo uh, that's uh popolo spelled p-o-p-o-l-o dot com and you know read up more about them get in contact and if you're interested in being a ref and getting paid 150 or if you get to the level you can get paid by ncr freaking fifteen hundred dollars uh an event uh to go ref uh gone in and get it gone in and get it take an opportunity man be in the rugby community we gotta grow in all the ways possible and not having enough refs is definitely not the best way to be able to help us all so um I I like I said I, I enjoy what they have, and uh you know we'll go from there. All right, y'all. So gonna get to our next set of ads, but before you guys go, we're gonna talk a little bit of the women's rugby world cup. They dropped some announcements. I even I, I forgot how close it is, man. Yo, we got the Olympics, then we got the women's rugby world cup directly afterwards, and then we got what the men's rugby world cup. 2 years after that man it we, we got a lot happening going going on right now so uh guys just hang tight stay still we're going to be right back after these messages y'all if you are trying to be able to get your name out whether it's for business whether it's for work whether you're just trying to do something personal for a friend or family you need to stop utilizing social media as the sole place where you put all your stuff you don't know when the algorithms are going to change on you, and you don't know whenever the rules are going to change. So what seemed like it was okay yesterday might not be today. And what does that mean? You need to have your own home, and that means having your own website. That's where Green Geeks comes into play. Now, Green Geeks is a place where you can create and build your website in the cleanest host in the game. I'm talking about environmentally. Not only that, they'll provide you with a free domain name and free template builder so that you don't even have to think about having to create your website. I've used Green Geeks for almost a decade now, and I have been so satisfied by everything that they've been able to provide for me. No matter whether or not I know what I'm doing or I don't. They have 24-7 support for me every single time I need a question answered or I need something to be changed or I need to be updated on any information. And the best part about this is that I'm not limited to any of the websites that need to be used. It uses a WordPress foundation, which allows me to have access to limitless amounts of templates that are available to be able to use for any version of a website that I want to have. And the best thing about it, the best thing about it, it costs me less than $5 per month to do. And that can be the same for you. All I needed to do is click the link in the bio. If you're listening, definitely click it in the description. And if you're watching, definitely click it in the description as well. But you guys, this is something that everybody should do. You don't have to just do e-commerce. Your website is the place where you have control over what you want. That's your house, not their house. And go ahead and get that with Green Geeks. Once again, click the link in the description to be able to get your first year at under five dollars per month guys it's the best decision i'm telling you let's get back to it yo y'all welcome back welcome back uh so let's let's just get right into it look 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 women's rugby world cup out here making announcements for their venues and i think it's actually kind of exciting that they're already doing this This is that two-year prep I've been a big believer that one of the reasons that I feel like rugby has a chance outside of its doom and gloom is because of the fact that the women's side has had to be very, very creative. Um, If you guys heard and listened to my last episode uh, last week, I really talked about the fact that. The women have been cursed and also been provided the advantage of being very underestimated. And so they make decisions like a broke industry, which means they are creative. They make things that they have to stand out a little bit. And of course, you know, you got to love being able to uh, see what they're going to be able to do moving forward uh, next. So uh, with the Rugby World Cup 2025, we already have establishment. It's going to end up being on August 22nd to September 27th, 2025. It's the, going to be the biggest rugby World Cup, women's rugby World Cup that we've ever had with 16 teams, 32 matches, and eight venues. Uh, they put together kind of a dope um, a, a dope video. Uh, shout out to my boy, Leandro Aconji uh, out of Argentina. This man is probably one of the biggest I got to say, one of the the biggest promoters of women's rugby uh, as a guy, because obviously there's other women that have really done it. But as a guy, probably one of easily the biggest promoters of women's rugby. The man is connected. Uh, but he dropped the video for the Women's England uh, 2025 reveal. I'm going to talk it out a little bit uh, for those who aren't going to be able to see this. But, you know, get a chance to uh, to uh, take a look at this. So, all right. You know, check this out. Alright, so the game is going to be kicking off at the Delighter Stadium at Sunderland and ending at the of the Stadium. It's going to go to York Community Stadium, Buffer Community Stadium in Manchester, uh, Franklin Park in New York, Hampton, uh, Ashley Lynch, Bristol, Halton Hole, Albany Stadium in Huntley and Hole, Pandy Park in Exeter and trajectoring the entirety of the uh, England community, all right? So uh, for whatever it's worth, hey, look, you know, they're hitting all the stadiums where their premiership, uh, the premiership rugby women's teams are going to all be at, which I think is actually a really good look, uh, give them a chance to obviously promote them. And, um, you know, it, again, it, it, it gives it a chance to um, provide a new look. Now, why do I actually... I actually have an ulterior reason for why I want to talk about this because I think this is going to be really significant to the um, uh, development of uh, what do you call it? The development of the women's rugby game. So the last Rugby World Cup was 2021, 2022 uh, after the pandemic uh, that was in New Zealand. I think a lot of it was lauded for being one of the highest attended. It had arguably 150,000 people who attended the games of completely sold out stadium for the England versus New Zealand finals match and etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera numbers 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 I'll be personally honest with you I didn't really believe those numbers not because I don't think that they they sold out I do think they sold out I just don't think the viewership was as good as 2017 when it really was knocked off why because New Zealand was locked up they were locked up. <laughs> So, like the, the 2021 New Zealand Rugby World Cup was like was limited. Players were limited, audience limited. Everybody that went to it lived in New Zealand. And you basically didn't have, I mean, I, I know New Zealand was active because they were isolated. Um, but I also feel like they didn't have anything else to do, so they went to it. Whereas for me, I think the pinnacle that this 2025 Rugby World Cup actually is gonna be going up against in literally and literally in actual record numbers is it 2017 and you look if you listen to me i will laud this rugby world cup for mother freaking days because this one was a phenomenal rugby world cup this one legitimately was like a game changing rugby world cup like i'm talking about it had better viewership than probably most games it had peak viewership of 2.3 and 3.2 million viewers for a game it had 45 million views across all platforms. The stadiums are small. This was in Ireland. Obviously, the stadiums are small. They only said they had about 45,000 people who attended the games. And this was games that were not greatly promoted, all right? But they were they were um, open. They were, like, legitimately accessible for once, online and on TV, but mainly online. And these were performances, all right? You had... The beast mode of Portia Woodman. You had, uh, 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 um, oh my goodness, you had um, the the our, our rugby sevens women backlining for our rugby fifteens forwards, um, and just like absolutely dominant England showing out England versus New Zealand final France with Safa and Daya really showing out uh I mean like some of the best runs that I think that we'd had in 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 rugby uh you know you had people like uh 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 oh my goodness uh, always forget her name and it's so bad. So I'm not going to say it because it's embarrassing cuz she is legitimately one of my favorite players and I, I can't believe it just slipped in my mind at this at this very moment. But like like it was so good. So I actually think that this one, this 2025 Rugby World Cup actually has a chance to absolutely surpass anything that last 2021-2022 uh, Rugby World Cup actually did and uh subsequently what the 2017 did so let me make my points number one 27 2021 2022 uh rugby world cup suffered from distance like the the timing was terrible for most western nations from england to the u.s south africa uh, not south africa maybe so much No, no no south africa as well too because they're kind of lined up in the same time zone as as europe um south america like most of your viewership didn't watch the game Like they didn't watch the game, it was terribly promoted, horribly promoted because they didn't just have any time. Like they they really didn't have any time to do what they wanted to do. Um, including for that, I I do think that the play was good, but again, everybody was so underwhelmed by the lack of playtime that they had during the pandemic. So you're just not getting the best out of everybody who is doing their thing. So I, I just I don't feel like that one was a great representation, even though they tried to really lot it up because of the attendance in person, which is great. New Zealanders and really showing up for it. But this one, my goodness, yo, we got again England coming back, home team as strong as ever. Um, we got uh I feel like the maybe not the US, but France has really built up as a 15s program, really shown out. Ireland is is sending Canada is killing it. It's all within a time zone where your biggest populations of viewership actually exists, which would be again obviously England, the U.S. Uh, I think Brazil is in it, so you're gonna have that that market, even though it's a little it's still growing, but you're gonna be seeing it come out from there. Uh, I do expect to see a lot more of the African nations kicking in because there's a lot more development now in the women's rugby programs than there was in 2021 and definitely since 2017 significant development from there um and of course the stadiums are bigger you got the premiership audience that's already existing in that area uh there's no distractions like there was for wxv which add that one wxv being one of the dynamic adders to the storyline of developing into Rugby World Cup 2025. I give them all the credit. I think this one will end up being the biggest and the standard bearer for women's Rugby World Cups moving forward. Uh, I I hope to see the dynamic play. That's why I really want the women to show out. I kind of hope some of the the Rugby Sevens women kind of like do their final send-offs because they're going to be in their – what? Early 30s, most of them. So you're gonna to have to start stepping back from sevens. But I really, really hope like people like Ileona Marr, Nia Tapper, uh homie out of UCF, um really get a chance to show exactly what they can do from the 15 side because they didn't do it this year because of everything, Rugby World Cup Sevens was happening uh, the next year, and then the Olympics, and they had to pick and choose which one uh, they 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 really wanted to, to to get done. So you 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 didn't get to be able to see our full force, and a lot of people will say like, "Oh no, the program should be absolutely separated." And I say, "You're out of your damn mind!" Like, no, we are best when everybody is on the field at the exact same time. Chris Thomas, my goodness, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm so I'm a massive fan. And since your UCF days, I don't know why it slipped my mind, but Chris Thomas coming back one last hurrah. um, Like that would be the U.S. team that I think actually dominates uh, in in that Sammy Sullivan in bring her in because she does 15th as well, too. So uh, I, I think that we could see something like that happen. And I think you could see a huge jump up for that Women's Rugby World Cup 2025. Just my thing. All right. All right. So we're going to go one more subject for the day. Um, And uh, (laughs) this one I I think is legitimately hilarious, uh, which was uh, Australia uh, (laughs) NRL uh, national rugby league doing a promo for on the NFL for their games coming up in March. So let me, let me put some context and background that are over here before I, I, I throw in what we're talking about. So, If you guys don't know, NRL is trying to expand themselves into the U.S. Uh, A lot of people I know have been playing rugby league in the U.S. on their offseason for a while now, maybe the last two, three years, definitely during the pandemic. A lot of belief is that NRL, the rugby league, probably has a closer relationship to American football and by definition probably could be adopted faster Though NRL suffers from branding and uh, issues from the wider scope, rugby union being the dominant factor, of course. But, you know, Australia has absolutely shunned rugby union because of their follies and risen NRL where uh, rugby league and Australian, uh, uh, Australian league football, Australian football league are the two most dominant sports in that country. Um, But they're really trying to make a push, and they're going to be featuring over at Allegiant Stadium uh, on March 2nd in next year. So uh, it's supposed to feature uh, the Manly Seawolves versus the Rabbitohs. If you guys don't know, the Rabbitohs is the team that Russell Crowe is an owner on, and then also Sydney Roosters versus the Brisbane Broncos. I only know about them so much because of the fact that uh, – shout out to the Rugby Odds on Rugby Wrap-Up with uh, Matt McCarthy, uh, George Hook, and the champ, uh, John Bradford Laidfield, um, the former wrestling champion. We talk about them all the time, so I've had to follow up on NRL a lot more, which is legitimately fun. I get it. I get it. And, and you know, I think NRL has done a better job in creating entertainment than Rugby Union has, but again – uh, they just simply don't have the, the global brand that Rugby Union has, especially whenever you're talking about the name Rugby. Uh, that is very dominated by Rugby Union. But when I talk about being able to do the entertainment factors, they've done things before with The Rock for uh, State of the Nation. Uh, and this week they did a promo with the NFL uh, for the at the Vikings versus Raiders game at Allegiant Stadium this weekend, which... Honestly, it's probably the worst game they could have done it for. But I give them credit. Like you, you don't know until you know. But that that was a terrible game. It, it was such an awful game. <laughs> 3-0 finish on it. Uh, but I I felt like they set it up. Um, they had uh two stars, two players, Aaron Woods and Campbell Graham, uh, doing the interview. And uh, you know what? I'm not gonna continue talking about it. Let me just let me just show you what what it is. And uh, I'm gonna give you my breakdown from there. We can be back to Las Vegas halftime between the Vikings and Raiders, and we are scoreless at the half on Fox. Here we welcome you back into the booth. That's Mark Sanchez. I'm Kevin Kugler. It's kind of exciting. For the first time ever, the National Rugby League is going to open up its season on American soil. The season opening doubleheader is going to be here on March 2nd. Now, you have a football <laughs> in your hands. Regular football but you got the chance to toss around a rugby with some of the guys on the field before the game. I did a little pregame rugby scrum, if you will, <laughs> but uh, you this is nice. I, I had a decent spiral, but then I tried to throw it overhand and it just, I don't know. It doesn't work the same, but they were excellent guys. They're excited to be back here and excited to play in this venue. They were all raided out. I told them to head over to the black hole. They'll see something incredible. They love this NFL stuff and all the fans. So, We're happy to welcome them. Well, Laura Oakman welcomes a couple of them. She's down on the field with them right now, Laura. I was like, get to me, get to me already. (laughs) Enough with Mark doing this. I'm with Aaron Woods and Campbell Graham, and I'm going to start with you, Aaron, because in American football, we've watched international fans fall in love with the sport because the NFL has been playing games in other countries. It's your turn now. How are you going to get Americans to fall in love with rugby? I think the Americans love the collision sport, and you know Vegas is the entertainment of the capital. We want to bring the main game for Australia that we love. We love doing it back home, and then there's no helmets, there's no pads. We're just in there to make collision, and then just get the fans pumped up like they are today. Good luck following that, Campbell. How are you going to pump up America? Yeah, I think uh, we're just going to try to get out here and bash each other, really. Um, But, yeah, we want to come out here and entertain. I think we got the product to do that. So I'm really looking forward to coming back here in March and putting on a show. Well, speaking of putting on a show, I want you guys to look at the monitor for a second because this is the play that has been dominating the NFL this year. The tush push, the bum push. I don't know what you guys call it. I should have asked you that. But our big debate is is that the quintessential football play or rugby scrum which one is it i would call it a rugby league scrum you know but the only thing is you can't push and you can't have the ball at the back you've just got to push get your heads in get the collision and then just let them go out the back and pass let the pretty boys do all the work I can't wait to see how this place is going to be filled with rugby fans. I'm already fired up about that. Kevin, back up to you guys. This is going to be so cool. The season opening doubleheader March 2nd here in Las Vegas. For more information on the National Rugby League coming to Allegiant. So, all right. So, obviously, you know, it it was a solid presentation. Solid presentation, you know. Um, uh, I, I I made a comment about this whenever it was on the uh, on Tw- X where I was saying, like, the NRL paid for a promo on Fox broadcast of an NFL game. Like, I need us to repeat this again. They paid for a direct promo on the highest viewed sport in America. Unfortunately, terrible game to do it. But point is, they did it. An in-game promo of a national game. Minion, step it up. My God. And I th- honestly, that's my complete sentiment. I give a lot of credit because when you do not have uh, the the headway, you have to do things that are risky. And to be able to get a promo and an in-game one, middle of the game, during it, yo, I, I give them all the credit in the world for that because that is called really making marketing moves for your value. It's not just like saying stuff. It's not just like... Oh, we're we're up and available like those are nice components, but you got to get like top of the funnel awareness. And I don't know how many people actually would have watched it. I don't even know how it may have played during the actual game itself, whether it was during the halftime show or maybe it was just on the local networks or something like that. But I really love the fact that they really took that risk. That's a lot of money to do that, by the way. Like, it's different than the promo. That's a lot of money, which shows you how serious they are about getting it over here in Las Vegas. Uh, It actually made me, well, again, the guys were not the greatest promo guys, but they had some solid energy. Talking about the scrums was kind of funny because of the fact that, you know, there's no, you know, active scrums allowed in rugby league. But, again, this is how you try and find ways to connect with the audience where they're at as opposed to, like, hoping that they just come to you. Like, and this is something that I want for rugby union. Like, I give a shout out. Like, NRL has done a significantly better job than, uh, than, than, than union has in terms of connecting with a pop culture. Like, far better, leaps and bounds better. And by definition, union should definitely already have more money than league does across the board, at least from even the rugby, uh, uh, the um, world rugby level of things, but you don't see that much creativity going in and even something as simple as this. So I thought that was a lot to, to be able to, to take from it. Um, I I love what average rugger says, uh, about this. He's like, yo, rugby league will pass union. If world rugby continues the dictatorship of viewing rights and not letting creators grow the game, shake my head. I 100% agree. He followed up with it saying, how are we supposed to get the American audience to learn more about rugby if it's not regularly network TV? So why not let creators push the game ahead of 2031? I agree. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the fact that it needs to be on network TV, but I do believe that it needs to be on places that people view uh, networks. So other sporting events. Which is basically the only real value that network TV has as of this point, and then subsequently utilizing your creators, just like you said, uh, is utilizing your creators and being able to advance uh, the game a lot more forward uh, through, you know, just like natural ways where people are at. Like you, you, you need to be able to again see people where I would love to see a rugby promo during the pga tournament or a rugby promo that happens during the um uh and not just a board like an actual promo that happens during tennis like really congregate the sport where it feels like it's everywhere even if it's not because you do lose a lot of audience by hoping that they'll come like the field of dreams thing isn't that and I I talked about this last week, so I'm not going to reiterate too much, but we want to get away from that field of dreams element. So I don't know what NRL is going to do. I don't even know if they're going to get a lot of return for what they have done, but I know that they've set way better seeds that will be sown than I feel like a lot of, uh, other rugby union properties in the U S have done, um, from, from a direct standpoint, you know, you, you got to hear the marketing. So I'm look, I'll look for NRL to keep coming in with information. If this is where they stop, then, uh, Yo, more power to you. You had one good element and then you kind of fumble it the rest of the way. But if they come with a storyline and give explanation and give people reason, this could be the element that shows what the rugby world cup needs to do for 2031 and 2033, uh moving forward, so that maybe people will make sure they come and world rugby and the rest of the rugby world community will stop panicking and worrying about whether it should stay in the US or not, or yada yada, 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 yada. But I'm I'm a big advocate on this one and uh yeah, let me know what you guys think about it. Um, let me know what your thoughts are uh, with how it goes as well, too. I want to hear it in the comments. Uh, thank you so much, Average Rugger, continuing to be able to be able to be a participant. And thank you for y'all that are watching right now. We got one more. All right, I, we got one more subject left, and we're going to call it into a conclusion. We got one more ad. I got you guys. No worries. Uh, just take it out, obviously, to support. And uh, we'll be right back with some more additional comments from some of our writers. Before I let you guys get back to it, I want you guys to go check out rugbyoutletmall.com. Yo, this is the place where we are bringing in casual rugby wear. We're trying to set up the designs, make sure that we are giving you something to represent rugby that's not just a jersey, and that's not just your kit. It is something that you and your friends and your mama and your kids and your parents and your best friend and your wife and your husband and your boyfriend and girlfriend and your day and just make sure that everybody is able to rock some rugby gear without having to necessarily be stuck to any one type of rugby gear. We want it for your day-to-day, everyday life. I know that's redundant, but that's how beautiful we want it to be. You know, definitely check out our most recent update, our Rugby Swag Show shirts. Uh, They're available now for purchase. You guys can get it, and for any first-time buyers, I'm talking to you, yo, I'm giving you guys 20% off the first purchase. Take as many as you want. 20% off the first purchase, and of course, if you guys get on the newsletter, you guys are gonna see more coupons and discounts that come along with that as well too. But 20% off, and all you guys need to use is coupon code Grow Rugby. That is G R E A U X Rugby great quality gear definitely something for your presence something to be able to give obviously we just got past the year so that means birthdays are coming out valentine's day is just around the corner and you have so much more go hook your family hook your people up with what's right hook your people up with what's right go to rugbyoutletmall.com and enjoy out and of course it helps support the show and our media endeavors let's get you back Yo, thank you guys so much. Yo, we got our last segment. It's one that I've been wanting to do. And yo, a lot of praise and thank you to everyone who's been participating. Yo, I'ma call it out again. Abel Rosas, Cameron Perrier, Perrier, um Blurtish, Keith Coop, uh, um random bots. Average Rugger, thank you all so much for being a participant in the live, continuing the conversation. But, of course, we also have our conversations that happen uh, when it comes to the actual um, videos afterwards. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I just answer them in the the comments, especially on YouTube. But uh, this time I wanted to kind of talk about them because I think they were great. These are great responses, great engagement, and uh, I think something that everybody should ponder. So um, kind of first off, uh, coming into it, I wanted to go with um, one that we got a, a few days ago by I am Nutty8471. Uh, he was speaking about my uh, review, my suggestions on what MLR and rugby should truly do uh, to be able to uh, improve themselves. So I, I am Nutty8471 says, very American approach. To a solution as a non-American. I can say there is bound to be some truth there, but it wouldn't fly too much elsewhere. It would be better to fly the amateur flag to avoid the NFL becoming boring tag, three hours of 60 minutes with highlight videos, most of the gameplay. And uh, you know, and, and he's he's speaking again, obviously, to to how to reach audiences. Um, I know one person, I, I can't remember if it was him or or somebody else had explained to me. Uh, about how South Africa um, views rugby, that it's very, you know, here in the moment, uh, you 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 kind of take, um, you know, people would rather go to the pub and watch a game with their friends, and then if they want to, they can take the train to the stadium, be able to go play a game uh, or something to that effect. And, not play a game, to go watch a game and something to that effect. And it, it, it allows a, an idea of like, okay, you know, it can be a communal thing. My only pushback would be is that if it was sustainable I don't know if there would be so much worry about like what happens with the URC or where South Africa would be. I don't think South Africa would have left uh super rugby and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. But I think a lot of the issues have been monetary and I think a lot of the issues are, you know, not being able to fill up the stadiums or if you do it for very specific games um not being able to have Uh, enough streams. And the the key reason I was saying what I did was to not just bring the the fans that are um, established, but to be able to bring fans that are casuals who might have been on the fringe. Like if you guys remember the movie Invictus and obviously, you know, talking about the 1995 rugby world cup win by South Africa in South Africa. Um, While uh, Nelson Mandela, Madiba was a rugby fan. uh, His, presence provided rugby casuals who were either against the box or had just never thought about them at all to be able to come to the game which helped promote more of the countrywide unity around the win of this this, this Rugby World Cup and I think that's what we're, I'm trying to be able to bring on that. It's very difficult to be able to create a sustainable professional league and I know you said you know r- rather run the amateur f- rugby flag but I think that's kind of plays a little bit of the problem. you need spectators. You know, from the amateur side, of course, you get players for days. It's a very selective unit. Uh, And as my my co-host George Hook said for Rugby Odds, you know, the the game has changed because it is less of a player's game and more of a spectator's game. And so you have these elements of abuse and stuff like that. But um, I, I do believe that you need to have a way to bring in casuals, especially like here in the U.S. And I think places like England, you're starting to see that run low that there's not as many people playing rugby and hence it's suffering the product of the professional or the upward mobility that goes along with it. Um, even additionally, you know, I, I, New Zealand is a different case and I obviously it's a smaller population, but you have those who obviously it's a very focused rugby country, but there's just also nothing else to be able to do that much. And there's the upward mobility that goes as being a player that can add to jobs that are not necessarily in rugby that help use the sport to promote. So if you don't have those tools to be able to, you know, increase that, I don't know if you're able to really show out as much as you, you really want to uh, with your rugby. So that, that was my position. You know, let me know what you think, brother. Let me know what you think, or sister. I don't know for sure. Um. Uh, I got... um. USA Rugby League fan. Uh, let me put this correctly. What are you doing? USA Rugby League fan. Um, uh, USA Rugby League Union fan. Great conversation with this guy. Um, said... I've made the road trip from L.A. to San Diego to watch Union games. Then L.A. came and I volunteered for the Guiltinis. I paid for my gas and spent my Saturdays helping out on game day. I spent over 1K on MLR gear, MLR logo, and Guiltini stuff. I follow religiously. We as fans need to bring people to the games, buy them a $20 ticket, and support the clubs. It's up to us fans. This product is the best in America, better than NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and MLS. It's number one in my opinion. We need to bring people on board. Thank you so much, USA Rugby League Union fan. I, we've talked multiple times, so I want to give you your props exactly where it's at in, in, in the person. Um, look, again, it kind of reaches back to what I was saying with um, uh, N- Nutty. Like you have to find ways of bringing casuals in i he was speaking in regards to the episode from last week and me talking about the MLR being in trouble and why it's functionally uh in a red flag arena and he speaks to it it's it do need to be bringing fans uh I think one thing that really does suffer is that there's not central elements. this is why I was talking about uh real estate in the last episode, and you guys can check it out or watch it on YouTube where I have mlr um. MLR, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, MLR solutions for the six solutions for MLR and rugby in the whole video. You can go absolutely check it out. But I was saying, I was like, look, you need to have a place where people can congregate. One thing, and I thought, I've learned about this with Argentina rugby, is Argentina is a broke nation. Like it wasn't always before, but it's a broke nation. Like economically, they are in the hole. But A lot of their almost all their players come from very elite areas. Uh, So that's a little bit different. But the most important thing is that they come from clubs with very, very high sustainable loyalty that has been there for hundreds of years that passed down through generations. Now, obviously, for us, that's what we use for universities. Um, but you need to have a place where you can streamline people centrally so you can kind of push them down the funnel so it makes the interest of being able to bring them to the game. Like, you, not everybody's going to be like, you know, a uh, uh, rugby union league uh, fan because not everyone's going to give the time, but everybody can give for their entertainment value. Uh, they'll give a little bit for something that's convenient back to them. It's why the pubs were always such a significant component of. Uh, rugby because it was the pub, then the uh rugby teams were unionized or centralized around that pub and built around it. Uh, my boy McFeely, who I mentioned a lot of times, talked about how his club had like uh, one membership fee and it gave them access to locker rooms, it gave them access to the restaurant to give them access to weight rooms, to give them access to the field, multiple fields, and then the team, then you develop from there. So you need to have a place where people can be able to congregate to. I don't necessarily always say it needs to be a pub because I don't necessarily believe that we should always be pushing heavy drinking when it comes to rugby anymore. I think that's a little bit of an archaic placement, but we just want a gathering spot where people are willing to invest money on a regular basis uh, and then be able to Use that to be able to develop, and that allows people to bring whole groups over to um groups over to professional leagues. This is why we have uh um what do they call it boosters for college? That's just Guys that have come together under the guise of supporting this university and their sports athletic program and paying out to be able to provide it like it is exactly what's needed. And and, and I think because of the club system that we have it now, it's a little difficult. I don't think it's just because it's just splintered, but I don't think that the system has ever been put into place. They've all been started as nonprofits because. It was easier uh, in terms of like not having to deal with taxes. Um, you could receive donations where people could get tax-free revenue, and uh, it was it was an element to induce uh, giving while giving a value back that couldn't be replaced with a transaction. So I, it made sense why we've been doing it, but I do believe that as time goes we want to be able to move towards maybe a more club or centralized model system where we're bringing in people who may not even play rugby so it might be meaning bringing partnerships and that helps bring people towards the professional the collegiate the youth which is really most important and and provide the memories that allow cycling and then from that point on you provide a value for those who might not be playing anymore but are able to go in. And this isn't a new concept. I think a lot of people have put this in to position, but uh it, it's part of what creates that like unifying fraternal network, uh sorority network and and creates that element of specialness that goes along with the uh, uh, rugby. And it, it also makes it so that that transaction piece works. We do it for memberships obviously, for for unions or for conferences, but I'm talking about from the club itself and that should be all encompassing and being able to pull that off. So Creating the value and then being able to see where that goes for for most of the uh, programs uh, from that 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 standpoint. Um, next. Uh, and this one was in reference to the conversation about Maro Toji going from the Saratans possibly to somewhere else because of the fact that they don't have money. This was from Neil three nine two. Neil said problem is the salary cap has been cut by two point five million. Up to now, has been able to have two marquee players outside the salary cap from next year. Only allowed one, so they have a choice between Itoji and Farrell. This is the Saracens, Owen Farrell. Which, uh, whichever they picked, someone was going to be upset. And again, this is goes back to a lot of the economic disenfranchisement that's happening with rugby right now. There's definitely a rugby recession that's occurring where we're seeing a lot of teams going. While I think the women's side is increasing, the men's side is depreciating with rapidity. And I don't know if there's been enough creative design to be able to stop it before it gets out of control. But... Y'all, it's something that needs to be done, and if he doesn't, you get affected. And you'll see Amaro Otoji follow a Dan Carter to top 14 like he did way before, go to Japan League One and see where the money is being spit out because they have just better models that work for them. And Premiership Rugby will continue to suffer, and you'll see that another London Irish, Worcester Warriors, Wasps RFC happen to another team, maybe Bristol, maybe Sales, maybe – Exeter, like you don't know, Wales is already going through a lot of issues themselves, and they will probably have to contract their teams into one. So this is this is not unusual, but you know it's part of part of what is it. <laughs> so, all right, y'all, Um my voice is just about done. Um, let this all load up. Ain't it funny? Oh, thank you guys so much. definitely check out some of our other podcasts our interviews some of the past episodes definitely catch up you can always check us out on youtube sectionalizing some of these game uh these uh, uh programs i know they can be long they can be short depends on the time of the day and the week um and of course always if you can subscribe to the youtube page Subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe at uh, YouTube.com slash Gift Time Rugby. And, of course, you can go on to Spotify or Apple, Mu- Apple Podcasts and follow us. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a comment. Let us know. It helps us be able to build up the algorithm. If you feel like this is a good Conversation, Good programming. We definitely need the attention. So I definitely always appreciate it one way or another. Love the conversation. I'm learning. I get to learn from you guys. And just it, it's so much fun. And uh, I, we're going to be having guests coming back again for 2024. So I'm super excited for that one. Um, but uh, I think we might be coming also to we got one more episode of this year. And then we're going to be done uh, for the. You know, Christmas year, Christmas week, and early part of the New Year's. Uh, I thank you guys so much for the attention. Thank you so much for spending time. Thank you for your love of rugby and being able to take it. Uh, I hope you guys know that I hope that you know that I hope you're happy. I hope that you know that I hope that you are, uh, 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 I even forgot my own thing. I hope that you're happy. I hope that you are uh, blessed. And I hope that you know that. You are highly favored. Until next time, y'all, peace.